Welcome to a well of being. Held back by the synapses, firing attack, overthinking on the map. My neurons, in fact, pathways kind of trained to consistently encourage all the same. Bad habits, a rabbit ventured down the hole he burrowed Trying to find the light of soul, Chascuro It's a thin line between browse and a burrow Contemplating all my dark side thoughts in the night Benighted to enlighten is the road to redemption If we continue to wait forward with progression been Peace and blessings It's Mr. Wild and Free Back again with another episode of A Well of Being a podcast that provides a space to dive deep on all things spiritual, metaphysical, philosophical, technological, and existential from the perspective of this wild and free individual. It's a well, not the well, because there's absolutely more than one way to be well. And of course, a well has depth to it. There's so many ways to be in this life. And as we seek to find balance and duality, I want you to know that it's okay to define for yourself what it means to live life well. Let's get into it. So on today's episode, we will be discussing victim mentality, the victim triangle, resentment, and the connections these things have with our current worldly events. In a small part, I would like to touch on a couple of topics from last week's episode as well, which was the coddling and the social dilemma. My goal is to paint a clear picture on the states of victimhood and how we can recognize them within ourselves to start encouraging personal power, autonomy, accountability, and responsibility. No one is born into this life knowing what hand of cards they will be dealt. For those deeper in the spiritual rabbit hole, I'll acknowledge your concerns by saying, at the very least, no one remembers what cards they requested. And yet, some find themselves in wealthy families with seemingly no hardships, and others find themselves in poverty and perhaps envious of those who seem to have it all. As we uncover the disparities that we feel seeing these types of juxtapositions, these differences in ways of life and the differences that we see and feel between one another, you know, whether that is nationalism or the disparities of partisan politics or race and religion we will we will really touch on the nuances of this as it's expressed in today's time you know black lives matter and reparations and uh, neo-marxism and nationalism and white supremacy all of these things represent themselves as some steadfast, unified ideal, right? Where it's like there is a monument of white supremacy that is upheld by all white people, so pervasive and so unified in its efforts that it's it's got the foot on the neck of all black people that exist. And on the flip side, right? Like there are those who feel 
oppressed or disheartened or vilified by the Black Lives Matter movement, right? And there is a growing disdain. There is a growing resentment that is festering on either side of this equation. We see it also happening with nationalism, you know, in Americans versus Chinese or the Russians or Islam and all of these things like China versus Muslims. These type of issues are deeply rooted and they represent themselves in a way that is one of the fallacies, one of the the many lies that we tell ourselves. Um, this particular one was discussed in The Coddling of the American Mind from last week's episode that I brought up. We believe that there is some easily defined line of good versus evil, right? Like we are good and they are evil. And that is not the reality of the situation. It was quoted, the line of good and evil is drawn right through the hearts of every human. We can attribute that to Napoleon Hill or Andrew Carnegie. There is another quote from Napoleon Hill from his book, Outwitting the Devil, that has the devil, quote unquote, proclaiming that I am one half of every atom. So what this is expressing is that it's never that clearly defined. There is never some easily drawn line that can say, oh, we are the good guys, they are the bad guys. The evil, it has the capacity to exist within each and every one of us. I think it is an important aspect to recognize the many ways that it can appear and how playing the victim card allows evil to flourish. Beyond that, it allows us to harbor and cultivate resentment and shame and guilt and fear and anger. There is something called the Karpman Drama Triangle, also referred to as the Victim Triangle. This is the relationship that people find themselves in whenever they are caught in any of these three positions, right? And I'll explain them. The first is obviously the victim, right? This is the help me. This is the woe is me person. This mentality fosters dependence and it often can result in weakness. It is the relinquishing of autonomy, like foregoing your personal accountability and responsibility and feeling as if your situation can only change if you have someone to rescue you, which leads us to the second node or point on this triangle, which is the rescuer. These are the ones that have the mentality of, let me help you. And sometimes it fosters a mentality of superiority, right? Can generate that superiority complex or develop that savior mentality. And oftentimes this position forcibly removes the autonomy of those who keep themselves in a state of victimhood or present themselves in a state of victimhood. It nurtures the victim mentality. It fuels the victim 
it gives reason and validation for people to be victims. And then you have the last note on this triangle, which is the persecutor or the perpetrator. This is the position of someone who takes the blame from a victim. It's your fault. This is the seat of resentment. This is the position of the antagonizer from the victim's perspective, purely because they did not get help. The thing about the victim triangle is that each one of these positions, the victim, the rescuer, the persecutor or perpetrator, they have all been victims themselves. Obviously the victim has, but the rescuer is often someone who has come from a state of victimhood and says, I don't want this to happen to anyone else. And I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. And then they position themselves in such a way to rescue others from themselves or from their circumstances. And then the persecutor or the perpetrator is the victim who was left unaided or who was helped in some capacity by the rescuer and then felt entitled by that saving, by that grace. They felt entitled to that position. So if at any point a rescuer says, I have to move on or I can no longer help you, then to that victim, they become the persecutor or the perpetrator. And then the victim becomes one, one that is resentful and despises anyone who could be a rescuer and decides not to rescue them, right? I think this is the issue that we see with today's society, not in general, but I would say within the black community, right? My black people, I am talking to you. I am talking to myself. I am talking to people of color. I am talking to those who are downtrodden, even white people who are more, more than likely, right? I, I think that this is a fallacy. Most black people come under the assumption of grouping up all white people together as in they have this overarching privilege or way of life that just off rip makes them more wealthy or more inclined to having a better life. And I have seen some disparaged white people. I have seen some white people who are suffering just as bad as black people. I have seen white people who are in worse states of poverty than black people, right? So let's go ahead and un unlearn that concept because it, it is not the truth, right? There are many white people who are equally as unprivileged or less than of black people. Are there systemic issues that black people are facing that we have to resolve? Yes, absolutely. But the reality of the situation is that not all white people are so privileged that they have a better circumstance and a better situation than all black people. I feel as if we as black people have taken on the state of victimhood and have been fueled by extreme 
ideologies that push us towards being a perpetrator or persecutor that causes us to double down on our resentment of this so-called outside oppressor. It's all their fault. Oh, if only we had reparations, we would be better off or y'all wouldn't be so high and mighty. <laughs> My perspective on that, would it be nice to have reparations? Sure, absolutely. Would I deny them if they came? Absolutely not. Am I expecting reparations? No. Do I feel entitled to reparations? No, not really. Do I feel that it is the responsibility of some one percenter or some white person, quote unquote, to save me from my current circumstances and predicament? No, because I am not a victim. I am a free black man in America, walking my own path, sowing the seeds of my purpose. And I know that I reap what I sow. Could I have been born in better circumstances? Sure. But I also could have been born in even worse circumstances. There's not much for me to complain about at all. Could I complain if I wanted to? Could I find something within my reality to complain about? Absolutely. Will I do that? No, because what is it that I am requesting when I complain about those things? Am I complaining because I want somebody to hear those complaints and then come change those circumstances? If that is the case, then I am playing those victim cards. I am fostering a sense of dependence within myself. And I am allowing that resentment to fester. I am allowing myself to feel victimized by those who are more affluent than I. <sighs> the only way out of the victim triangle is to take personal responsibility for everything that occurs in your life no matter how much you'd like to blame it on the world. Even if you are someone in a state of affluence, in a state of abundance, who wants to help others, be wary of being a rescuer. I think it is okay to help others, but in such a way that allows you to help them help themselves, but not to do their own work for them. Be careful to those of you who are asking for a rescuer or for someone to intervene to save you from something that you are capable of saving yourself from if you truly desire to do so and put the energy into doing so. Asking for a rescuer can cause problems. There's a quote from a book that I've read. It's called The Ascension Papers. I may or may not have mentioned it before. It is an incredible read. I would say, read it like you would The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, right? Not worrying whether or not it's fiction or nonfiction or a parable or reality. There are so many lessons ingrained in it that are parallel to the reality that you are experiencing 
and will help you to have greater clarity and a greater sense of this world that we live in. This quote from the Ascension paper says, the problem is you will get what you ask for, or rather what you are really asking for. Let me help you to understand this. If you are saying that you are weak, confused, powerless and lost, that you don't know what you want or even what you should want, that you want someone to come and tell you what to want, what to do and how to choose, that you want this great rescuer to come into your world and take from you your choices and creations and give you instead what they want to create for you in that you will serve them and worship them for doing so and do whatever they say, well, then you are creating a world of pain for yourself. You are creating an opening for someone else in your life to fill a particular role. You are creating yourself as the perfect victim. And while you are saying that you want a rescuer, what you are actually asking the universe to provide you with is a perpetrator. Had to let that breathe for a moment. Again, rescuers will most often fall into that state of being a perpetrator for you because their help cannot go on forever. And oftentimes victims feel entitled. They feel that they have been given access to a well that will never run dry. And often the patient dries before the well does. <laughs> oftentimes people feel taken advantage of if they are in a seat of the rescuer and a victim continues to feed and feed and feed off of them without any sentiment of wanting to do better for self or to get oneself to a state of being able to help themselves. That's what often happens. Beyond that, there's another concept that was shared in The Coddling of the American Mind, a book that I referenced from last week by Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff. It's the concept of anti-fragility, which they've actually... Uh, cited from Nassim Taleb. And anti-fragility is something that we should adhere to within ourselves, to not think of ourselves as fragile, that a being that needs protection or rescuing, right? Anti-fragility, as defined by Wikipedia, is a property of systems that increases in capability to thrive as a result of stressors, shocks, volatility, noise, mistakes, faults, attacks, or failures. We know we are resilient people, my black people, my people of color, you know you are resilient. My white and unprivileged people, you know you have the capacity to thrive. We have become hypersensitive to one another. We have allowed the extremes of the left and the right and the black and the white to get us to such a state of hypersensitivity 
and victimization and victimhood that causes us to lose the humanity between one another. Allowing yourself to uphold and maintain the position of a victim is most likely one of the biggest issues you are facing in your life. If you find yourself often accusing others for being the cause of your anguish, then you are adopting, maintaining, and upholding this victim mentality. You are fueling your own resentment. You are fueling your own shame and guilt and anger. If you are looking at this situation at this time in life as an us versus them type of thing, you are adhering to the idea that there is some fine line that you can draw between good and evil to say that we, whoever we may be for you, right? To say that we are good and they are evil. And that is a lie. Again, the line of good and evil is drawn right through the hearts of men and women, us as human beings. I am quite sure there are reasons to hold ourselves accountable and reasons to be responsible for our own actions to keep our duality in check, to keep our balance of good and evil within self. I see the extremes of both sides and I see the discoloration and the, the festering roots of evil seeping in on both sides, of all sides, rather. There's a random analogy that I want to call upon. There's a anime slash manga called Jojo's Bizarre Adventures, right? It's a really, really crazy and chaotic anime slash manga. If you've heard of it, you know what I mean. <laughs> if that's not your cup of tea, that's fine. But there is a particular character in one of these arcs, much further down the line, excuse me if this is a spoiler to anyone, but there is a character that is extremely suicidal. And that person, unfortunately, has the ability to take someone with them. This is an interesting dynamic to see because we see, you know, characters on one end trying to save this person, not for the sake of saving that person, but for the sake of saving themselves. <laughs> and then you also see the inconsideration of one who seeks to take their own life and the effect that it may have on others and how evil can appear inside of a victim. Even when thinking of inflicting self-harm, that is the sentiments of evil. It is a shame and a guilt that is so ingrained within you that you feel the need to take it out on yourself, that you are trying to kill off something within you or yourself entirely to absolve yourself of that evil or that fear or that resentment or that shame or that guilt or that sadness that you feel. Upholding that seed of victimhood would only fuel that even further. I have had suicidal thoughts in my life before. They have never stuck. 
thankfully, because I knew that I was a free human being capable of changing my circumstances, capable of having autonomy and personal agency, and that this moment can pass. This moment will pass, and I will experience happiness and joy and love and gratitude and willingness and neutrality and all of these things. Once again, I will experience something on the other side of all of this hurt and dismay that I feel. So I had to have the willingness to look forward. I had to have the personal agency and responsibility to say that I can uphold myself and take responsibility for my life to see through this moment. And there are people that feel this evil and darkness and my heart cries out to you. And then there are people that feel a similar sentimentality, but rather than feeling the need to inflict self-harm, they feel the need to inflict pain on others. That resentment causes them to become violent and aggressive towards others. And the same responsibility applies here. We must take responsibility for ourselves, for our emotional states, for the grievances that we feel. This has been a longer episode than usual, this episode and the last one, because I feel very strongly about this subject matter. I'm going to get to a close here soon, but I really want to drive it home with a couple of more points. Don't create with fear and doubt. That was another sentiment shared in the book, The Ascension Papers. Don't create with fear and doubt. When you create from these places, oftentimes you are helping to manifest the experiences that will validate your fears and your doubts. Understanding your own base energies when engaging with another or in the process of creating is crucial. It's like selecting the color of construction paper that you want to draw or color on. Right, A little simple analogy here for you. If you're unconsciously choosing a dark blue sheet of paper, but want to color with blue, you'll find yourself beyond frustrated. Most of us do this, but then blame another for selecting that blank sheet of construction paper for us. Oh, it's, it's their fault I woke up angry. It's their fault I hold this grudge. It's their fault that I hold this hatred. That blank colored construction sheet of paper is something only you can pick, no matter how much influence comes from the outside. How you start your day, where you seat yourself amidst your own emotional states, what energy you gravitate towards, what you accept as the truth of your emotions, all of that is your decision and your choice and your responsibility to make. Know that you do not have to stay a victim to your circumstances or to another person's actions. Have the strength and the courage to rescue yourself. Know that the best ways for people to help you is not by trying to get them to do your inner work for you. You must 
unlearn resentment on your own before you ever assume someone is required to fulfill that begrudging desire for you. Just because someone has more than you does not mean that they didn't deserve it. And it doesn't mean that you are not worthy of that same abundance. Just because someone has more than you doesn't mean that they got it by taking something from you. And yes, clearly I'm aware of the history of slavery in America and what black people have done to build up this country and all of the things that we justifiably see needs for reparation for, right? However, it is 2020. We have not gotten them yet. We have to move forward. If we continue seating ourselves with resentment and victimhood, we will get nowhere. The point I'm making here is that those who are rich right now did not steal that wealth directly from your personal pockets. And if in some way you feel they did, it's because you allowed them to. Pull yourself out of the hurricane of emotionality and start being more practical with yourself. Genuinely assess unbiasedly as best you can your character, your work ethic, your demeanor, your emotions, and your responses. You do not have to stay a victim. Recognize that being a victim of circumstance and a victim of other people's actions, that is a choice that you are consistently making for yourself. It is okay to be self-centered. It is okay to have autonomy and responsibility for self. It is okay to say no to others so that you can get on your own two feet. Recognize that it's okay for others to say no to you so that they can keep themselves on their foundation that they have built. Recognize that they may not even be telling you no to be your perpetrator, to be your persecutor, right? Recognize that they may just be focused on self or that maybe they know doing that work for you will not give you the satisfaction that you desire. Maybe they know that opening that door may be a slippery slope and that you may run them dry. So they are doing what they can to protect themselves and their foundation and their family and those that they already have to support. Even if this is your family, right? It doesn't matter. Recognize that most of the times, most people are selfish. And I'm not saying that as like, to vilify them for it, right? Being selfish, it's not intrinsically a bad thing. You have to be self-centered in many ways in order to take that responsibility, to be accountable for self, to build that foundation for self so that you can then possibly allow your light to shine on others in the world and to inspire them to take responsibility for their own selves. Okay. I think I've said all that I wanted to say with this episode. Really quickly, I want to touch on some of the resources that I'll be leaving in today's show notes, a couple of the books that I mentioned in this podcast, as well as some that I didn't. The Ascension Papers by Zingdad, People of the Lie by Dr. M. Scott Peck, 
Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill, Power versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins, The Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff. And then I also provided a link to The Drama Triangle by Cherie Steins, as well as an article called Escaping Conflict in the Carpman Drama Tunnel. That's an article by R. Skip Johnson. So, yeah, there's that. And of course, I do want to leave you all with one final question, though. Two-part question, actually. <laughs> what options do you have? What pathways forward can you choose from that allow you to reclaim your situation and your personal agency and autonomy? If you can find that answer, you'll find your way out of victimhood. I hope this episode has been helpful to you all and that you've enjoyed listening. If you're digging the podcast and enjoy these deep dives, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to get updates on every episode by sending an email directly to well at bcast.email. That's well with three L's at bcast.email. Y'all, I am also starting up the membership portal to my website. The For everything wild and free, the podcast, the music, lyrical breakdowns, all content, the blog posts, all of my content, the membership portal on my website will allow those of you who are really rocking with me to support the movement, to support the creation, to support this content. And I have membership levels where you can contribute $5 a month or $10 a month as a patron of this content so that I can continue providing you all with more of these deep dives, with more dope music, with more blog posts and speaking subject matter, all of these things. So visit wildandfree.com. That's wildenfree.com to look into that. I'm building out the membership experience more and more each week. So definitely check in and, and see what's new every now and then. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to really building out this community and sharing more content that resonates with you all. And um, also, if you feel so inclined, uh, you know, share share a tweet or a, a message on Instagram, right? Follow us on Instagram. I have a page for A Well of Being that is at A Well of Being with three L's. And you can also message me on my personal Instagram at mrwildenfree. And I do have a Twitter account at mrwildenfree as well. Same spelling. And, you know, just send me a message if you have anything that you want to weigh in on, any topics of conversation that you want me to address, or any feedback on these episodes, responses, any anything like that. Uh, so yeah, definitely looking forward to hearing from you all and, you know, continuing this journey together with you. And last but not least, I am speaking into existence for you, the listener. Accountability. 
<laughs> Responsibility. Personal autonomy. Peace of mind. Overcoming. Personal power. Courage. Resilience. Mental clarity. Mental fortitude. Acceptance. Forgiveness. And of course, gratitude. <laughs> well, that's all for now. Till next time. have to double down on my conceit told them i could be whatever i wanted to be self-centered like the balanced people in my team now we not sharing we shining i may just be a beast i may have to remind them yet instead i chose to shine a light that reflects on the next alike we talk to eye to eye and bite and bite we love to spite it all disagree or dead it all i'ma need a better ball if this is the game that i'm playing then i've done it all disappear the camouflage yeti sipping on a cup of tea feeling wild and free well i guess it's a thing right the same but i'm really homebody still got love for the thing Really, I got love for all of y'all, but my personal space is something that you can't equip with. I still drop the ball with personal relationships. Didn't mean to be abrupt or make you think like, what the what do it do? <laughs> I'ma make it to the 2200s with this kind of function. Told you back then that my music really bumping, turning nothing to something. Wait to play out I may just have to double down on my conceit. Told them I could be whatever I wanted to be. Self-centered like well. the balance, people in my team. Now we not sharing, we shining. Now we not sharing, we shining. More like I'm free floating out of space with my arms stretched out after really trying to flex. Ultimately, we still wanted to connect, but there's something about the freedoms of introspection. Tell me why you won't quit your flexing. I'm so stressed out, need self-reflection. Couple days of meditation and relations. I feel like I've been piercing. I'm looking for my mission. have to double down on my conceit. Told them I could be whatever I wanted to be. Self-centered like the balance, people in my team. Now we not sharing, we shining. Now we not sharing, we shining. To shine. It means following your path. Doing what's right for you. Filling your cup. So that then you can run it over. It matters not if someone gives you a piece of food, but if they show you how to cultivate your own, to take a humble acorn and grow it into an oak, to shine. It means gathering your light and reflecting it on others to influence their lives in a positive manner. It means peace of mind, self-sustenance, being unshakable. And then, when your cup runneth over, 
share abundantly with the world.